Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 69 of Metallicast, the Metallica podcast. I'm your host and fellow Metallica fan. My name is Brandon. On this episode, I am joined by Jeff Seaman. Jeff was a production assistant on the movie Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile, the Ted Bundy biopic out on Netflix now, that James Hetfield has a small role in, and Jeff just happened to be the production assistant assigned to James on the day that he was on set. So he goes into the whole story of how he found out he was in the cast and what that day was like and his thoughts of him in front of the camera and so much more, including a little talk about horror movies and the most metal ones out there. This was a really fun conversation. So here is episode 69 Metallicast, my talk with Jeff Seaman. My guest today is a writer and director of several horror films. He has also worked as a production assistant on several well-known film projects, including Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile, the Ted Bundy film out on Netflix right now that features none other than James Hetfield in a small role. Please welcome to Metallicast, Jeff Seaman. Jeff, how are you? <laughs> Good. Thank you very much for having me. Um, nice introduction. Way to way to tie it into your core audience. I like it. <laughs> well, you know, it, I am a uh, podcast professional. Oh, well, okay, <laughs> all right. So now I know what I'm dealing with. Thank you. I am not at all. I just that's just a running joke on the podcast. Don't 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 <laughs> downsell yourself. <laughs> Too late. Too late. Okay. Too late. Okay, cool, cool. Um, now every time I. Uh, make a dumb mistake in the podcast but i was like it's because i'm a podcast professional and i do my <laughs> i do my i try to do my best radio voice you know yeah well yeah, yeah. <laughs> well we'll try not to have any of those on this one <laughs> listen if it happens it happens and i will probably not edit it out we're we're just go we're just going with it. we're keeping it real for the listeners today jeff exactly thank you i appreciate that <laughs> so let's start at sort of uh the beginning, I guess, of sort of uh, when did Metallica first appear on your radar? How did you first hear their music and kind of get into them as a band? Okay, so uh, confession time. <clears throat> Early on, when I first started getting into Metallica, I hated them. Couldn't stand them. <laughs> I'm, I'm just being honest with you. Um, and then, and, and I don't know if this is a common thing or anything like this. I just, it was, it was just kind of like, I didn't see anything special. And then I was at Woodstock 94 and I went just because I, I was chasing a girl and, you know, <laughs> she wanted to go. So it's like, yeah, sure. stupid, yeah. let's go. <laughs> yeah. And man, they were so fucking good. Yeah. It was like everything that I had believed for the past several years was like, holy shit, was I that wrong? But they were so <laughs> good. 
And like the only song that I liked at the time, you know, because you know you don't have pure unadulterated hatred for everything. So right. it was like I kind of liked for whom the bell tolls. And when they played that, I was like, "Fuck it, I'm sold." Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "I was wrong. I'm sorry. Please forgive me." And I was just, I was loving it. I was also like probably really drunk at that point, but <laughs> everybody was, and the place was insane. Yeah. I had so much fun, and and ever since then, it's like, "Yep, all right, cool, I dig it." And then that was the opening song to um, uh, Zombieland. I'm like, "Fuck, this movie's right. gonna be good." <laughs> yeah. What was uh What was Woodstock '94 like as a whole? That dirty. must have been an experience. Dirty, <laughs> yeah, dirty and was, muddy. Yeah, that was the mud fest where Nine Inch yeah. Nails was just caked in right, mud. Yeah, um, I spent most of the time just chilling out, uh, and I was in my early stupid twenties, and so just had a blast. And I probably had to throw away my shoes at the end because there was just no <laughs> saving them. Um, yeah. And I don't even remember the girl's name that I went there with. It's just like, I, I remember the music. I don't remember her. And she's, you know, right. it, it, it was a blast, man. One of the best shows I've ever been to. I go to uh, music festivals all the time. I always go to Riot Fest uh, in Chicago now. And nice, man, some yeah. of them just don't compare with a show like, like, uh, like a Woodstock. Um, yeah. It, it was a lot of fun. Well, that's awesome. That was, that, that's quite the introduction to them, to see them on that big of a stage you know the one thing though that i do remember just came up to me now is i they didn't take money at at uh uh woodstock 94 you had to buy woodstock money like these little gold tokens right and i still have some of that because i didn't spend it all like a dumbass (laughs) and it was and it was ridiculous because everything was jacked up the price and and i just remembered that holy shit i'm having ptsd on that um, but that was a really good way to be introduced to them, you know, because there was no getting away from the Metallica fans. Everybody yeah. there yeah. was just going nuts for it, and I just felt myself absorbed by it, and was like, "Fuck it, let's do." It. I'm sorry, I keep swearing. No, that's perfectly fine. We're not FM radio. I, you got <laughs> fooled by my golden voice. Uh, yeah, that's uh, what it is. Your professional <laughs> podcaster voice. Yeah. But it was, yeah, it was a perfect way to be indoctrinated into being a Metallica fan. Awesome. Well, I'm sure there were a lot of fucks being thrown at Woodstock 94, <laughs> so you just got caught up in the moment is all. Yeah, know? that's really what it was. Yeah. And when I when I felt, you know, all of a sudden I felt it and I'm like, yeah, I've, I've been wrong and, and yeah. you know, didn't want to didn't want to tell anybody nearby. By the way, I thought they sucked until today cuz I didn't want to get my ass beat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been a fan for years. Yeah, it's like, oh no, I saw these guys so many times. Yeah. Yeah, over there. That's uh, that's Craig Hammett, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Craig. I'll tell you. I'll tell you the truth, though. The one thing that I've been so terrified of before coming on your show was to accident. Now that was on purpose, calling him Craig Hammett. But I've been terrified that I'm going to say Hatfield accidentally and just be shunned forever by your fans. Well, the good news is that we will shun you behind your back. Um, Sweet. So you know you won't have to face the brunt of it until. Uh, this episode will be out on Monday. So let's say Tuesday when you log in online, you know, to yeah. your social media accounts that have all been linked in the episode description. You know, nobody will shame you till Tuesday morning. So you you got a you got a clear night ahead of you. Dude, look at my last name. I'm used to being shunned. <laughs> this, I have the greatest sense of humor because I don't have a fucking choice. <laughs> I have to laugh at everything. Uh, <laughs> 
let's talk about let's talk about extremely wicked yeah let's talk about it because that was oh that was that was weird man um we talked about this before we went to air you wanted to know if there was a weird story about how i how i found out he was cast yes there really is so (laughs) for your fans that don't know much about the film industry uh there's a thing that you get at the beginning of each day usually the night before it's called a call sheet and the call sheet lists Every detail about that day's production, every person who's going to be on set for his cast, crew, every scene that we're going to shoot, every single detail is on that call sheet, front and back. But when an actor uh, is on a film, if they're like traveling, it's on the call sheet so that everybody knows this person is flying into town and they'll be on set in a couple of days. So. Uh, I didn't work that film full-time. I think I did uh, either between a third or a half of the film, just coming in. They call it a day player. They call you when they need you. And uh, the the guy who's in charge of making the call sheets, uh, it's a team of people called the assistant directors. The director runs the vision of the film. The assistant director runs the set that it takes place on. So... The second second AD, which I don't know why they don't call it a third AD. It's the second second AD, <laughs> um, is uh, a good buddy of mine. He's my mentor, uh, and he said, "Hey, I'm going to bring you on for this Saturday. You're going to want to be there. We got a big surprise." And at the time, nobody knew nothing about James Hetfield being in this film. It was a right. very well kept secret. And so on Thursday night, um, I'm working this film. And they said, well, hey, we've got it. We've got the surprise. You're not going to be able to wait. We can't hide it from you anymore. And he hands me the call sheet and I'm looking at it and I'm not seeing it. I'm just, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking for something huge that I just looks like, oh, they're going to have uh, a triple homicide on here. Cause I'm, I'm a horror movie guy. I'm like yeah. all about the blood. Right. And I, and I looked right at his name and I knew exactly who I was looking at. And I just kept scanning and he's getting more and more frustrated by it. He's like, Jeff, look back up. Look at the cast. And I'm like, yeah. Uh, oh, no way. <laughs> and it just hit me. And this smile came across his face. And he said, yeah, and, and we need you to make sure that he's comfortable when he's here. Awesome. And I'm like, I'm like really? I'm like, should I be afraid? <laughs> and they're like, no, 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 no. He's worked with Berlinger so much. They're like, buddies. Yeah. he's going to be so happy to be here. And... They're like, oh, and by the way, you can't tell anybody. I'm like, okay, but <laughs> oh my god! And uh, so the plan was to bring him in on this Saturday. I'm pretty sure it was a Saturday, and shoot all the scenes, and then he goes home the next morning, and then they were going to let people know. So by the time everybody knew that he was in this movie, he was long gone. Oh wow! And the funny thing, before we get to the stories about him himself, um. This was a Zac Efron movie, and we did a lot of exterior scenes, and even when we were doing interior scenes, there's fans of his there. There's all these teenage and 20-something girls that are all there to to get a (laughs) glimpse of him, except after we released that information. Now, all of a sudden, you got, and I want to say metalheads, but I don't think that's the proper term, but you got guys that look kind (laughs) of rough that are standing out there next to 
teenage girls and they don't know each other. <laughs> and it's like, is Zach Efron? And no, Zach's going to be coming in later today. Well, is the guy from Metallica here? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was like weird, 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 wow. weird, man. It, it was, yeah. But it was kind of cool to see the devotion that Metallica fans had sure, to just yeah. get a glimpse of this guy. Right. Uh, but, but he was long gone. Wow. Um, he brought his wife and he brought his kids and his kids are all freaking gorgeous um they're like crafted from the god's children um like like to the point that i was terrified to talk to any of them that i might get killed for it um because i you know i'm i mean i'm i already look kind of creepy and i'm supposed to take care of dad don't talk right. to the kids and yeah. and you know it's one of those don't 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 screw this up don't screw this up but <laughs> But well, nothing didn't... brings the family together like Ted Bundy. So yeah, exactly. yeah. I'll tell you what though, um, I don't know if this is like a common thing about him, but dude loves ghosts. Um, we were shooting in an old abandoned jailhouse just across the border in Kentucky, and the rumor has it that the floor below us is haunted, and I can verify. Because I went down there one night, and yeah, there's some shit happening in that in on that floor. <laughs> and the day before James arrived, um, Zach Efron wanted to go there, and I told him, "No, I'm not going." You know, so so Zach's assistant went with him, but I stayed by the elevator. I'm like, "I'm not going there." I yeah. felt some weird stuff happening, and I don't believe in ghosts particularly. But I know that there's some stuff out there that I don't understand, and it just might kill me. Um, <laughs> so Efron's going around having a good time. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And then when he told uh, James that, yeah, go down a floor, oh, boy, he wanted to go. And then I had to go because <laughs> he, he was my assignment. Right. Like, shit. And <laughs> so, you know, I, I – kept you know my eyes peeled no i mean he must have spent a good half an hour wandering around this single floor and all it is is just old abandoned jail cells rusted out and like please don't go in one of those cells please don't (laughs) and he just kept wandering in man and and uh but yeah he was just all about it man i'm sure he's got a ton of pictures i don't know if he saw anything but i don't want to know either (laughs) but but he's really really cool dude um and something that really impressed me is um yeah zach efron's on the set he's a well think what you will about him he's a really cool guy yeah and uh james hetfield didn't spend much time talking to him didn't spend much time talking to uh joe berlinger except for when they were shooting what this guy did was he was talking to the background um we had some people in there to shoot uh um a lineup shot a fake lineup and then we had a guy playing a sheriff who actually is a sheriff in this town. I think he got voted out, though, so he was at the time. Yeah. And then there were a couple of guys in cop costumes. And he spent most of his time chatting with these guys because he just wanted to know their stories. Wow. Like, tell me, uh, I think the, the question that he asked was, tell me about your journey. Why are you here? How'd you get here? Um, mm. Just a down-to-earth dude. Um, and really I didn't, ha- other than the, the ghost floor, I, I didn't have any difficulty at all, man. He, he was just, yeah. he was a dream. Uh, awesome. uh, the, the regret is, uh, on a film set, you do not ask for photos and you do not ask for autographs. Um, right. well, you can, if you want, uh, but then you're never working again. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it was like, eh, yeah. 
yeah, I'm just going to tell people about this story. <laughs> and if they believe me, great. And if they don't believe me, I don't care because it happened. And the ghost can verify. So you just have to go downstairs to the prison. Yes, exactly. I'll tell, I'll, yes. I'll tell you where it is. Find me on Twitter and I'll take you there myself. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, and then we had to on the same day we shot the scene because he was only on set for one day. We shot the scene on the street. And uh, when we got to the street, someone had leaked information that we were going to be filming there. Because, you know, when you're going to film an outdoor scene, we paper the neighborhood and say, by the way, we're filming on your street. Right. This movie, please just know that this is happening and don't call the cops on us. And <laughs> right. we got to the street and there were 300 people lining that road. Wow. Yeah. And it was like, and it was nobody that was like there to see him because we hadn't released that information, but man, it was tough. It took us yeah. like an hour to clear the road. And I'm just wondering how many of the people on this street have no idea that they all knew that Zac Efron was there. They have right. no idea that the lead singer Metallica is on your street. Right. Yeah. Like I would have hated that. If like, uh, um, one of my favorite bands of all time is nine inch nails. Um, if I was, you know, somebody was filming on my street and I didn't know that Trent Reznor was outside, I'd be like dying the next week. Like, <laughs> Why didn't somebody tell me this? So close. <laughs> yeah. But I, I will say this. He was a great guy. Uh, never asked for anything except room temperature water. Just wanted to be there. Wanted to talk to people. Had a great time. No attitude. Uh, a dream to work with, man. Uh, he was a, he was a cool dude and he'll never remember a thing about me. And that just doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah it won't matter though yeah yeah i enjoyed it so yeah that's my that's my brush with fame to get me onto metallicast you know (laughs) that's awesome i remember hearing uh about this movie uh when it was like first announced and it got my interest because i am a fan of true crime like a lot of people you know uh, into true crime serial killers all that type of stuff and then i remember hearing about Zach Efron getting cast as Ted Bundy. I was like, well, that's interesting because uh, it's kind of, you know, goes against type. But I was like, Zach Efron's a, actually a good actor. I've seen him in things and he can, you know, actually act it. He's a funny guy and all yeah. that stuff. And, uh, and then I found out that Joe Berlinger was attached to it. I was like, oh, I'm more intrigued now because I, you know, I was a big fan of his work um, from the Paradise Lost documentary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's how far back, you know, the history with Metallica goes is those documentaries, getting the yep. music used for free in those yep. documentaries. Those, uh, for anybody listening who does not know, that is about the West Memphis Three. Um, and you can look into the case trials very well. Now, I'm sure most people listening are aware of it, especially in the metal community. But if uh, those there's three documentaries out there that were released mm-hmm. years apart, and I highly recommend if you have HBO Max, they're all on there now. Um, but that's how far back the metallic history goes. Then Joe Berlinger, along with his uh, co-director at the time, uh, Bruce Sanofsky, Yes. who did the Paradise Lost movies. They did Some Kind of Monster, which everybody listening to this podcast will be more than aware of. Some Kind of Monster is sort of a controversial part in Metallica's history because it's sort of a... It is a warts-and-all look at the band, the good, the bad, and the ugly, which is what you know I love about it. Uh, but 
they have a deep history there, Joe Berlinger, Metallica. So it made sense that if James Heffield was ever going to appear in a movie, it would be one working yes. with him. I'm, 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 I, I was curious if you are how familiar you were with Joe Berlinger's work and the Some Kind of Moss documentary prior. <laughs> <laughs> good good question uh some kind of monster was not as familiar yeah but if any of your fans out there should ever meet joe berlinger please ask him about his work with metallica and please do not ask him about blair witch too. <laughs> um because he doesn't want to talk about it um <laughs> he just doesn't um yeah as a, as a story see i'm a huge blair witch fan huge blair witch fan which means i hate blair witch too um <laughs> and it's not because of anything that uh, joe berlinger did it's because the studio just messed it up yeah um uh within the first 30 seconds of the film they talk about how oh it's just a movie well that ruins the whole mythology of it but right, beside yeah. the point so uh the guy who is now joe berlinger's full-time assistant uh he got hired for that job from working with joe berlinger as his assistant on this film and i know this guy really well tim young uh tim's a good dude and i'm having lunch with him one day and uh joe had just left to go get something and and there's tim and some young girl sitting there and i said hey uh, i want to ask your your uh, buddy there uh, a question but i'm afraid that he's gonna get mad at me for asking it and he's like well what he's a really cool guy and i said yeah i want to ask him about blair witch too and he's like oh yeah you can ask him anything i was like yeah but i'm a little worried because i think blair witch 2 sucked <laughs> and the girl next to him just smiles really big and she's and, he, and tim says well you can just ask his daughter here <laughs> I'm like, oh no no and she just laughed and said if you tell him that he will smile and so i did i told him that and he's like yeah well you're not the only one seated at this table that thinks that movie sucks but that was all he wanted to talk about he didn't want to yeah. he didn't want to go into detail um so i left it alone at that point but yeah so there's a note for your fans don't ask him about that <laughs> well he wrote um a great book called this monster lives which was uh, a follow-up about him making uh some kind of monster Okay. And he he talks a bit about Blair Witch Two in the book because uh, the the documentary chronicles the making of Saint Anger, which was uh, which is the album viewed by many Metallica fans as sort of like the creative and commercial low point of their career for a variety of reasons. So he was sort of talking about you know the the making of the album, the fallout of the album, and was also talking about how, you know, the documentary shows the struggles of the band with James Hatfield going to rehab and struggling to make that album and then the fall of the album and yada, yada, yada. And he was just sort of talking about how he could strangely relate because of his experience working with Blair Witch 2 and how the studio was interfering with, um, you know, his vision of the film and how it just basically came out like a butchered mess. Not that he was saying St. Anger was a butchered mess, but he was, you know, just saying from his personal experience working on that film. Yeah. Um, and and I think actually even his Twitter bio, if I'm not mistaken, says something along the lines of, and I'm paraphrasing here, says something along along the lines of like, uh, you know, has made a lot of movies that people like and one that people don't. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yeah, that's funny. Actually, that's funny. I gotta look it up now and get the exact wording, but 
I'm pretty. It, it's something along those lines. So I think that Berlinger is a really good uh, document documentarian. Uh, really, really good at it. And I, I was genuinely worried about how that would play over because the only other movie that I saw that wasn't a documentary of his was Blair Witch 2, which could right. have been a documentary. Um, so I was worried about Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. And I was wrong, man. He did a really good job with that. Um, but he also knew the ins and outs of, of uh, Ted Bundy's entire life because at the same time, he was making a documentary about Bundy. Yeah. And, he, he did a really good job on set, and I was really impressed, and he was, he was a good dude. There's very few people that I've worked with in my storied career, which still isn't that long, that I don't like. Um, uh, you know, like uh, Frank Grillo. Um, but uh, <laughs> I would say that 99% of the people I've worked with, uh, I would jump at the chance to work with again, because uh, it's just a great... Uh, career to have, and then you run into the occasional asshole. But yeah. uh, Berlinger and and uh, James, no, they were they were solidly on the good side, man. Good people. That's awesome. And so, just for the record, it's at Joe Berlinger on Twitter. His yeah. bio says, "I've made some films that people really like, and one they really hate." <laughs> <laughs> that's yep. That's the one. Um, so, uh, so now I'm going to ask you from uh, the point of view as a uh, director and film fan. Yeah. Um, uh, wh- what did you think of uh, James's work on camera? As uh, completely, I mean, performing for him is a natural thing, but uh, d- performing obviously in a completely different capacity this time around. You wouldn't have known that if if uh, I didn't know that he had a musical background, you would have just thought that he was an actor. Because um, it was just it was smooth. They didn't require many takes. And his character didn't have a whole lot of depth to it because it was just cop who wants to break a suspect. Um, And he did that really well. Um, But that being said, you wouldn't have known that he wasn't an actor. You wouldn't have known at all. His performance was great. Um, And as soon as the cameras were off, he was right back to nice dude. Like uh, his performance on camera and they cut a lot. Um, There was some angry moments there. And soon as they cut away, he was all back to smiles and everything was cheery and good. And it was, it was fun to watch. Cool. Yeah. Do you know? I, I would cast him. I would cast him. Well, and I would see that movie. Hey, thank you. Though. <laughs> now, now I know what I got to do to get you to buy a ticket. <laughs> um, do you know how, what led to him being cast? I, I know there's a friendship there, but was it like, uh, was it something, do you know if it was something he is acting something he was interested in trying or is it just sort of a cool little cameo for a friend that he, you know, was had worked so closely with for so many years or do you know what that situation was? I don't know the official story, but I can tell you that odds are pretty good. It was put this guy in the movie because we're buddies and I like him and I think he can do the job because I'm going to just totally blank on his name, but the guy who played the lead in Blair Witch 2, um, Jeffrey Donovan, uh, was also in Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. And I don't see this guy in all that many movies, but there he was. So yeah. it's obvious to me that Joe Berlinger likes to bring things from his past and bring them into uh, these movies. And uh, You know, the leading roles and the main characters got played by some pretty big names, and then he filled in with people that he likes to work with, with the rest of it. Right. Um, and Malkovich, by the way, 
you think that you know James Hetfield would be the guy that would intimidate you? Malkovich intimidated me. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> I and, it, and, it's, and it's not because he's an angry dude or a mean dude. It's just like it's fucking Malkovich, yeah. man. Don't mess with him. <laughs> I, I, yeah, but I think that that's where that came from. Is that uh, he he likes to bring on people that he's worked with, and he and it gives him a sense of <sighs> comfort, right? So in your in your role on the film, did you have a lot of interaction with most of the actors? And oh actresses yeah, in it? yeah. Oh yeah. What I'm that's uh, to to help your audience that doesn't know film production assistant is the gopher of the film industry. Right. And uh, what I decided to do when I got into the film industry was on the smaller independent films, I would take the higher up roles, the assistant director and running the set. But when a film of this type of budget, and it was $10 million, comes into town, I ain't getting that role. So I'll work wherever I can. And on this film, they wanted me to be a PA. And uh, I don't mind that at all. But when you're a PA, you deal with the cast a lot because you're the guy that goes and makes sure that if they want coffee, you've got coffee for them. Oh, they're in makeup? I'll be bringing them to set. It's, it's a lot of running and a lot of grunt work, but you do it right and you move up the ladder and eventually yeah. people like you enough that they give you money to do your own film, which is what happened in my world. Awesome. So let's, let's talk about some of your own films. I know you're, you mentioned before you're a big horror movie guy. When, oh, does, yeah. when does your love of uh, horror movies start? Because you know, there's a lot of obvious crossover between horror and metal. Yes, there is. Um, my, it started at least as I can remember. Uh, Mom and Dad were both horror movie fans, but nowhere near the level that I am. But one night when I was 11 years old, we were at a drive-in movie theater. And back when I was 11 years old, drive-in movie theaters were multiplexes. There would be three, four screens going. Yeah. And we were there to see some comedy. I can't even remember what it was, but knowing my dad, it was probably Mel Brooks, which loved the guy. Um and we're sitting in the back seat, and that uh, if you don't know what, what happened back then, you weren't listening to it through your, through your radio, there was this huge speaker that you'd pull up next to a pole, put the speaker in your window, and that's how you heard the movie. Well, I'm looking out the window at other movies, and there's some girl getting her throat slashed against a tree at this other movie. <laughs> And I'm no longer paying attention to this comedy. I can't hear the movie that's playing over there, but I want to. Yeah. And it was Friday the 13th, the original. Awesome. And that was Annie being slashed as the first real kill of the movie, uh, right. except for the opening sequence. And man, I was hooked. And at some point, maybe 20 minutes after that, mom or dad figured out that I wasn't laughing. <laughs> and one of them turned around to look at me and my brother, thank God, didn't turn me in. He might've been watching with me and they turned around to look and they saw that I was staring out the side window, wide eyed and mom looked over at it. It was like, up, oh, and they moved the car up closer to the screen. So <laughs> I couldn't see it. Any too late. Didn't matter. I was hooked. Horror movies were my thing. Yeah. Um, and you know, that led to back in that day, there was a lot of, uh, video stores where you could walk in and look at all the horror movie. Yeah, oh, yeah. I was hooked. Yeah. Um, and that's where it all began. Um, that, that's how it started. But, uh, to tie into what you had said, Oh yeah. Uh, I got into some hardcore music for a while there because of, uh, horror movies. Um, you were always hearing some really cool music. 
the Return of the Living Dead that Romero did. He had some punk rock in there. He had some metal in there as well. Uh, you got to hear some music that wasn't playing on the radio in small town Canton, Ohio, where I grew up. Right. Um, so yeah, I got I got a real education in different types of music because of the different types of movies I was watching. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember too, just you know, being a my generation was like the soundtrack era where, you know, you would have these soundtracks come out with these massively popular songs. Yeah. And that I feel like that's just sort of gone away in recent years. Um, not that there's not popular songs in movies, but right. I think just it's probably just the fact that, you know, we're kind of as a society moving more away from albums and everything is digital and more focused on singles and you know i'm sure that plays a role in it but it is disappointing to see because i know when i was you know middle school high school whether it was uh uh you know i'm an i was born in 85 so i'm a 90s kid so whether it was you know scream or one of the teen movies or there was always something new and popular being played on mtv from a movie yeah and and I think that's the the art of the soundtrack has been lost. Like like the craft had a great soundtrack, uh, multi different uh, multi uh, genres of the music playing in there. Yeah, and like the Crow had an amazing soundtrack too. And I, I think what lost the soundtrack era was the availability of the internet because we can hear all of these songs really easily now, and so there's really no saving up a bunch of songs for a soundtrack release because it's a lot easier to release uh, music online yeah. or your own albums. And, and I think the, the magic of going to the store and buying a, a CD is, is lost because yeah. of the availability in the internet. And that hurt uh, in big ways, movie soundtracks and these huge releases. Now everything's online, which I'm not complaining. Don't I'm not uh, get off my lawn. You damn kids. <laughs> Right, yeah. but I I long for those days just as much as I long for the days of the video store. Yeah, you know there there is a definitely a certain uh, nostalgia attached to that is just makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside if you're of our generation. Because I I mean I remember going to the video store and I I've talked a lot about on this before uh, about like you know I feel like I was the last generation who got to go to record stores and look through the CDs and find, you know, new metal bands and this band and that band and yep. everything. And, you know, that's, and I, do not get me wrong. I, uh, Apple music subscriber. I love having everything right here on my phone. I, there's, there's a huge pro to it, but it's, it's not the same as going. And I know that's still an option. It's just not a, an everyday option for me with, you know, where I live less if I want to go to, best buy or target and look at one of the 10 cds they they sell yes it's it's not an it's not a option we're just like it's you know you you're seeing less and less dvds and blu-rays on shelves too it's the same thing with in the with the movie industry with between streaming and uh you know digital downloads uh but with apple and amazon and everything else And, and there was nothing quite like not being able to skip a song because you know you you put on a tape or you put on an album or a cd (laughs) well a cd you could skip the song but an album or a tape man you had to listen to that song and you were being almost forced to listen to something and you'd you'd fall in love with it 
And you couldn't just automatically skip to that one song you heard on the radio. You were listening to the whole album, and yes. you, you picked up new loves for songs just based on on. You didn't have a choice. Totally, yeah. I, I kind of like those days. I, I miss that too. Is there a director out there right now that you feel like still uses music and understands the art of a soundtrack in a really uh, cool way? Edgar Wright. Yeah. Edgar Wright. Uh, for those of you who don't know who Edgar Wright is, uh, the movie that you'll most recognize from him is Shaun of the Dead. But if you get a chance to see Baby Driver, uh, I don't know if the music would exactly fit in with a Metallica podcast, but <laughs> he just absorbs the, the like the movie becomes a part of the music just as much as the music becomes a part of the movie. And he just does such a great job with with. Uh, uh, I mean, he must have songs in mind when he's writing because right. it fits with the script. Uh, like Shaun of the Dead, uh, he played uh, the Smiths, Panic, and it was perfect for what was happening in the movie. Yeah. And it's uh, there's just nobody better at it than, than Edgar Wright. Absolutely nobody, uh, in my opinion. So I'm going to ask you uh, a cheesy but fun question. What is the most metal horror movie? Wow, the most metal horror movie. And, and that's open to interpretation. You know, you, it, it could be a metal-themed horror movie. It could just be, you know, this is like, would make, it's so violent that it would make the perfect death metal song. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I want to immediately say Deathgasm. Um, <laughs> and that's a very rare movie. Not a lot of people know, but uh Deathgasm is specifically about a guy who who plays metal music, but it's yeah. really good. I, I first saw that on uh, Joe Bob Briggs' last drive-in, uh, and I can't believe I missed it for all those years. I, I mentioned it earlier. It might be uh, Return of the Living Dead with uh, uh, Linnea Quigley uh, in it and uh, the guy who played Tommy Jarvis, whose name is escaping me right now. Um, because there was a lot, even though they were all punk rockers in that movie, I think... I can't remember who it is that had a song in there, but the horror sequences were made more horror comedy by the addition of metal music to yeah. it. Because now all of a sudden you're like, Oh hell yeah. Zombie. There it is. You're not afraid of them because they're like kind of making it cool by having this cool music played right. behind it. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that, uh, that it really had much uh, music in it as the movie progressed, but the way that uh, Cabin in the Woods ended. Um, and I won't spoil the ending to the movie, but as soon as the movie ends, a really kick-ass Nine Inch Nails song starts. Yeah. And, and it just fires you up. I don't, I don't, that's a movie everybody should have seen by now. Yeah. But if you haven't, I'm not ruining for you. But go freaking watch that movie. It's really good. And then the end of it, which should be a terrible moment, is all of a sudden, oh, yeah, I love this song. <laughs> um, that was one of the movies I saw where I was like, I hadn't. I was not expecting much when I when I first saw it, and then I was completely blown away. Yeah, that was, and it was really good. And and the second time you watch it, you're like, why didn't I pick up what the, what was happening right, from the opening scenes? Yeah, um, it's but very I, I would, obvious when you rewatch it. Yeah, I, I would definitely say Deathgasm and Return of the Living Dead would be my two immediate. And as soon as we get off this podcast, I'm going to think of 20 more. <laughs> That's just the way it goes. <laughs> so let's talk about your own horror movies. Okay. You've been the writer and director of a few. So what what's the latest? Where can people find it? What are we working on? 
Well, the only one that's actually finished right now, other than a short film that I did, uh, is coming out soon. Uh, it's called On Location. Uh, we shot that during the pandemic, and holy crap, we were we were careful. 257 tests, all of them negative. We were oh, very wow. careful. That's uh, On Location is it's basically a love letter to horror movies and horror fans. Six friends start a business called Terror Trips. And Terror Trips gives guided tours to the locations where horror movies are made. The classic films. Like, we go, we actually were at the location where Friday the 13th was shot. Uh, Hell House LLC, Dawn of the Dead. Uh, We go to the Blair Witch Project location. And as the company gets bigger, they expand to Europe. And they find a movie that is not just a movie. So, obvious horror movie uh, uh, plot. You know, mm-hmm. people end up in a place that they shouldn't end up. And, uh-oh, uh, you, know, I, you know, I don't have to worry about spoilers. You know exactly what's going to happen <laughs> to them. Right. Um, but that's my movie and tons of horror movie references. There will be no doubting that that I'm a horror fan and I'm yeah. kind of hoping that the horror community accepts it. But um, Felissa Rose produced it. And if you're a horror movie fan, uh, you know that she was the little girl from Sleepaway Camp. Oh, yeah. Um, Another movie that I can't spoil the ending, but might be the best <laughs> horror movie ending of all time. Um, and then the the talent that we have in this movie, Hannah Fearman was in VHS. And she was actually just in an episode of Creepshow that they shot oh, with cool. Justin Long. Uh, Damien Maffei, who played the killer in, in uh, Haunt, and he played a killer in Sleep, uh, uh, um, Strangers Pray at Night. Uh, and he was in Wrong Turn. Chaney Morrow was in Wrong Turn. Elsie Holt was in VHS 2. And You're Next. Oh, awesome. um, Your Next is just a great movie. Um, so we had a nice horror cast. Right. And, man, it was so much fun to film. That yeah. It's actually getting finished. Uh, by the time that this airs, the movie will be finished. Awesome. And then it goes to distributors, and we work from there. I would, I would figure... Around Halloween to early 2022 is when it'll be released. But it's called On Location, and you can find it on IMDb now, and you'll be able to see it sometime later this year. Awesome. And when it's out, I will definitely broadcast that information to everybody who listens to this here podcast. You better. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's, it's, it's not cheesy low quality shot with a, a a canon camera those are those are fine movies and i'm not disrespecting those yeah but we we put some effort into this one we think it might make theaters um awesome but uh, it absolutely looks beautiful and we're extremely proud of it if you're if you want to make horror movies you want to make any type of movie doesn't matter what kind of camera you use uh we were going for gold on this one and if you want to know how to make a movie reach out to me man I'll, i will I will give you the secrets on how to do it cheap. And if you're and if your name is Kirk Hammett and you want to see my movie, call me. I'll let you yes. see it ahead of time. I mean, that is the perfect tie-in right there with Kirk Hammett and his massive horror movie fandom. I will give him one of the first copies of it so he can have it if he wants it because uh, dude is a horror lover and I think he'll like this movie. But in order to get the movie, you have to first come on Metallicast and talk to me. That's the yeah. deal, Kirk. Yeah. Or come should on, I buddy. say Craig Hammett? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've spent money on you, dude, at your concert. <laughs> yeah. You know, you should come. You should come on this show and you should watch my movie. Totally. 
that's how this works right he'd probably be like can i just watch the movie please (laughs) i'm okay with that but now i feel a connection with you so i'm gonna support you and make sure he does this too i appreciate you where could everybody find you to get their movie advice uh on twitter it's jeff from ohio all one word of course no underscores or anything like that on instagram it's jeff lrb as in larry robert basketball uh (laughs) On, on Facebook, you can follow me there. Uh, just my normal name. Uh, look on the screen. That's how you spell my stupid name. Uh, and yeah, that those are the three that I spend the most time on. Uh, reach out, man. I'm, I'm happy to discuss films, uh, Metallica, anything you guys want. I, I'm, I'm an open book, man. Awesome, Jeff. Thank you so much for coming on Metallica. This was a blast. Me, I, I'm really glad we did it, man. This, this, uh, this time flew by. Anything else you want to talk about? I mean, I, I same as you, I'm going to think of 20 million other things, you know, but I will say this. We did do uh, uh, a while back for Halloween. I sometimes do a uh, I try to do a live stream every month. Lately, it's been every other month. Or whatever. We do it on Facebook and YouTube. And so I did one for Halloween where it was really not about Metallica too much, even though we did take a look at some of uh, Kirk Hammett's horror collection. Yeah, but it was mostly uh, about just the most metal horror movies and we uh me and my guests richard essie we try to find uh some of the most metal horror movies out there so if we do something like that this halloween again we'll have to bring you into the fold and get your expertise and hopefully the movie will be done and being distributed and you'll have it uh something uh even more definite to uh promote and then you'll have to talk to my assistant because then I'll be too important. <laughs> no, oh, and, and you, hey, you know what? I want to back up a little bit. Yeah. You, you asked me what the most metal. Metal is not just a music genre. Like a, a metal movie could be something that's just a little more hardcore with blood or, you know, there's sure, like yeah. a unique kill. It doesn't have to be about the music. And now that's yeah. going to bother me. Um, cause I'm, I'm going to think, Oh, some of the most vicious kills, man, like something like the, the worst movie, but it was still really fun to watch. Um, yeah. uh, slumber party massacre two, you know, the, the music was terrible in it, but there were some really vicious kills and that could be metal. I feel you know? like you will really, I'm not sure if, if you're into death metal at all, but I feel like you would at least appreciate the, the lyrical poetry of a lot of death metal bands that are heavily influenced by, uh, gory horror movies all right I'll, I'll take a look i can listen to it but i can't like absorb myself into it you know I'm is it the cookie monster voice is it the yeah cookie monster voice like like uh, you know the, the extent of my my uh <laughs> the extent of my death metal love is where the greta thunberg video where it's a, how dare you uh, that's about the extent of it so i'm i'm very uneducated in the ways of death metal you can just read the lyrics as if you're reading a book of poetry. Uh, that, that, I'm all about that. I'm all about that. So if anybody out there wants to yell at me about horror movies, if you go to my IMDb, there is a list of my 100 favorite horror movies. Oh, awesome. Top five, Friday the 13th, Halloween, uh, The Blair Witch Project, Get Out, and Night of the Living Dead, uh, which are classics. But as you go further down the list, I've got some stuff that people will just hate me for and go ahead and yell at me. Because <laughs> there's some weird stuff in there. Like, how did you like that? Because it's great. That's why. <laughs> Shut up. Tourist Trap is a classic. <laughs> <laughs> 
and already you know you can tell what the one i get the most abuse about is <laughs> right right Dude, this has been a lot of fun i really appreciate this yeah this was a lot of fun jeff i agree and thank you again so much for coming on no problem man i appreciate you you have a good night you too Huge thank you to Jeff for coming on Metallicast. Check out the links in the episode description to give him a follow on social media and be on the lookout for On Location, which should be out later this year. I will definitely share that information once it is made official. And please give Metallicast a follow on social media at Metallicast Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you are new to the podcast, make sure you give a subscription, a download, and leave a positive five-star review on Apple Podcasts. All that goes a long way in helping the podcast continue to grow on our way to world domination. Till next time, ladies and gentlemen, Melapurasi here. Fans not experts.